And hello, everybody. Welcome to Documentation Not Included, the very first episode, aka the MVP, aka Technical Difficulties Extraordinaire. You are in the extraordinary presence of two people with beards that I am exceptionally jealous of. These are my hosts. We have Chris. That's not a beard. That's not a beard. I can't, I'm not having any of that. I have, I have nothing. Yeah, but that, well, you, I've you got get, these. these. Go on these, Etsy. I guess could count. Go on Honestly, I got, I got my wife a beard on Etsy years ago. My, now my, my self-image is shattered. And I don't know if I can keep going now. It's just like everything's through, everything's through and everything's gone. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, we have um, Tolupe, and I always get your name wrong and how you pronounce it, but he says that, uh, Chris, uh, he agrees with you. But then again, I happen to know that his particular beard, Tolupe's beard, is like, it, it's, it's, it's nice. Good, um, good man. It is, it is very nice. <clears throat> the question is, is if he was asked to chop it, chop it off for charity, would he? Me? Oh, dude, I would Anyone? look like a, I mean, hmm. I think it depends on the person. Me, I'm quite hesitant because if I shave that, I look like a leukemia patient. And that's not the image I'm, I'm willing to maintain. <laughs> right, so try and put us back on track as we're obviously going to be derailed by each other because we tend to do that. We have Chris here. Chris, go ahead and say hi, I dare you. So yes, hello everybody. I am Chris. I uh, have previously done a few streams uh, with my game development, but this stream is going to be more, I think, for me, it's going to be more focused on enterprise development, which is what my bread and butter is, really. Uh, I won't go any further, but yeah, thanks for having me. Having me. Having you? Well, you're you know one what I mean. of the hosts. You know what you're I mean. Thanks for, thanks for... Okay, we have to get something really clear. We're not co-hosts. No. We're all hosts. Yeah. That well, This is a literal group effort by the three of us to have a time put aside where we can talk about something that we love. And the interesting thing is, I mean, Chris and I, we work from home. So for us, being around other developers usually involves the chat room yeah, um, or something along those lines. And we miss that talk, but we're skipping someone. We don't want to skip Pat. Go ahead, Pat, Mr. Baldy. Hello, I'm Patrick Kowalik and I'm a game developer. Uh, oddly enough, I used to be an artist, so I'm going to be the black sheep here, but I stumbled into graphics programming and shaders and stuff like that, and do, do, doing really weird stuff that is quite unholy when you look at the source code. So just don't look there. That's already scary. I, 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 I don't even know what to say. Um, some of you may actually know us already. We have collectively done a previous game development podcast that was known as Data Mine way back in the day. And um, time, life, experiences happened, and then documentation not included. Because as you know, as developers, there's never a need for documentation. Ever. Well, well, we'll Anywhere. talk about that, won't we? Oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> but uh, a massive thank you, by the way, for everyone joining us. And go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, stuff tends to get lost. I mean, I was in another country last time we were podcasting together. So, mm. you know, so much things changed. Yeah. Well, I'm 100 pounds lighter than I was as well last time I, I streamed. I, if anybody I, has does recognize me from any previous streams, I've, you know, I lost seven stones. So... Yeah, whereas I, I've gained some pudginess, but my hair is pretty much much longer than anybody's. So I I, I, I say most of my weight's in my hair. It's... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to support that claim. <laughs> well, you have no hair, except 
this, which is more beard than I can grow, so I really can't um, pick on that. So you yeah. haven't seen my chest hair. That's for another show. <laughs> That's for another I'll side show. That for project. another show. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, so now you know who we are. Now, in future episodes, we're actually going to have guests who will be joining us to talk about their various fields of expertise, the things that they're interested in. Uh, basically, we're going to be bringing them on to pick their brains because we want to know. In the world of programming, in the world of development, it makes no difference whether you're doing app development, web development, dev ops, backend development, hardware development, PLC programming. It makes absolutely no difference. You can't know everything. I think probably the number one joke in coding is, um, let me Google that for you, or let me Slack exchange that for you, or, <laughs> or in the old days, let me open up a book. Oh, God. Do you remember oh, that? Jesus. See oh. that there? Yeah. No. Actually, no, it doesn't have a single... Oh, it does. It's got um, Gang of Four... Uh, design patterns a fairly famous book that's kind of generic across the board and i've got a powershell book there that i bought and read once and well see that shelf over there is full of a whole bunch of books that anyone can read if you went up to the office that i have upstairs that one is everything from um disassembly to c sharp to c plus to web to code to like the stuff. world of crazy stuff and it's stuff a massive thing stuff like that is really weird for me because i got into programming at the time where it was already sort of established on the internet, so you could, I mean, like by by the time I went in, you could find anything that you would conceivably want. At least as a beginner, uh, on the internet, and yep. then it only uh, got growing. So for the first time, when I met Falco, uh, lead programmer for Resident Shadows, and I saw his giant collection of books on C and C plus <laughs> plus and assembly, I'm like. Wait, do you actually like use those? And, and he it's... showed me how we use there were like the things were falling apart. So I, I've got I had some SQL books, um, SQL and early classic ASP books that I, I learned from basically when I first started programming. That and learning from other people's code, a lot of copying and pasting DHTML as it was called back then. Oh and, wow! Oh yeah. How do you even copy and paste from a book? I, I mean, oh, no, I, no, copy and pasting from the internet when it first started, and <laughs> oh, there wasn't really a stack overflow. I, I have to jump in on that from Patrick, but I'm going to hold off because I have to ask our first icebreaker question. Yeah. Now this is the thing: anyone who comes to join us on the show, yes, we're going to get into talking about development, but we want people to know you. We're not going to ask you what's your favorite programming language. That stuff will probably come out when we start to talk about whatever topic we're talking about. Instead, we're going to pick really random topics, and it's never going to be the same. So today's question for you awesome people, and yes, I'll be answering it too, and if you guys wish to participate in the chat, I'd love to see the answer. What was your favorite toy growing up, and why? I think Legos for me. For me, it was definitely Legos. Legos are always great, but it's yeah. too much of a default answer, that, for me. You think it's a default answer? It How is. How can Legos be a Legos, default Because Legos, it's ubiquitous. Everybody, everybody knows Lego. Everybody uses Lego. Ah! not for me because i grew huh? up in Portuguese poland and those things were expensive well they're expensive here as well but expensive so as in like really expensive take as expensive as they are for me because i i know like i recently was browsing legos as you do and i was quite shocked at the price and then i just yeah. sort of imagine how much worse it had to be in poland where you know it was like one euro it wasn't euros then it was like um what uh let's take like i know british pound i was like you know 15 water or something so imagine everything times 15. Hmm. yeah 
I, I was I was the cool kid, man. Like those Legos were the shit. I don't think anything's changed, Patrick. I think you're still the cool kid. Don't worry. My favorite toys growing up. Uh, I have to say toys because I can't just say a single figure. Um, Star Wars figures. Easily. Really? Yeah, I got so much joy out of. I, I had everything. I think everybody around my age has the same. St- I was into them anyway. Has the same story. I bought everything. I had the Ewok village. I had two ATSTs. I had an Atat. I had everything you could conceive, and I sold them all at a car boot sale for fifty pence each. Were they like oh. the ones with joints, or they were they static? Oh, um, no, they were full. full they were the, the original eighties ones, so they were all they were brilliant, and they're still really good quality. If you've got them now, they're just the plastic's gone a bit brittle. But uh, yeah, I had a, a Rancor as well. I had two Millennium. I don't know why I had two Millennium Falcons, but I did. Um, why settle for just one? Oh, yeah, of course. Duh. I think I might have broke one of them and got another one at a car boot or something. Adwitcher says Tonka toys. I remember Tonka toys. Oh, God. It's a bit before oh. my time. That. What? Yep, they said uh, they used to be made of metal and they were advertised as unbreakable. So I took them on a real building site and tried to play. They did not last long, <laughs> but it was okay. so much fun. What is that even? What is Collectible about? cars. Collect- like the really oh. chunky, well, Tonka trucks specifically were collectible trucks, but they were um, like solid how, metal, as you just said. How, how big? Like well, they varied in size because you could have the pickup these? trucks, the dump trucks, and the little things. Like, they varied in size. But were they like the whole, like a Hot Wheels scale or like no, no bigger. bigger than that? Yeah, like you could, you you could like put one on my face. That's a freaking <laughs> weapon. I mean, that is crack made of metal. I mean, absolutely. I wouldn't give that to a kid. Not because I'd be worried for my kid's safety. I would be worried for other kids <laughs> because knowing me, the little psychopath is gonna butter them off over the head with that. Wow, wow. Ugh. See, for me. When I look back on my childhood, there are two two things that stand out. And I think this kind of shows perhaps a bit how mental I am. The first was card collection. So some of the first cards I got my hands on were the Garbage Pail Kids. Oh, wow. Absolutely love them. The second one, and this is so strange, it was Barbie's McDonald's store. But the reason why I loved it is it had parts that actually worked. So, like, you had a little cash register. It had a trash can that opened and closed. Mm -hmm. And it was brilliant with my Cabbage Patch doll that wore a hockey outfit and would come in with its little hockey stick and start, like... (laughs) I mean, I used to play with... I was a destructive kid. I had loads of action men, and I I played with Barbie and She-Ra, and I I was actually... uh, My dad, at one point, brought home an action man specifically because he saw me playing with a a She-Ra. Because, again, I had all the He-Man figures, all the She-Ra figures, and Mm -hmm. and a few of the... I can't remember the name of it, but there was a a monster in a cave in He-Man, and uh, I had the cave for that, and you had a little puppet you put your hand through the the hole with. Um, They're making He-Man reboot. Oh, probably. I give up. Everything's getting yeah. rebooted. But I mean, the just... animation is just horrible. Like, mm. the art style is just like, mm, just don't, don't do that. So, yes, we have those. And uh, Witcher says that they were construction trucks, stickers, cranes, etc. And they worked, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And uh, Dilippi says, Lego Technic for me. Yeah, I, I, I had Lego Technic as well. 
but it wasn't it was very expensive in comparison to lego so we'd, i didn't have too much of it do you guys like remember that lego with a uh, little little computer that you could program and with motors and shit i don't remember it, it was like lego something well lego Mind technic had motors Stone? on it Mind yeah Stone, i think it was called it was like a more technic than lego technic and i always wanted it and then recently i learned it was like a thousand something and like for a toy well wow. wow i mean more heck speaking spell was expensive and i really loved my speaking spell i mean mm. that's more than my car <laughs> <laughs> and now you've learned the price of patrick's car yes so it's a solid machine <laughs> Those are basically, that's our icebreaker question for today. We're now going to dig into our topic, which is in a way kind of interesting, kind of not. It's interesting for us because every time we sit and we talk to each other, we discover something new about each other. Um, but what I will throw out to you who are watching, if you have questions you want to ask us specifically, please jump into this because this is literally, like I said, our MVP. So you're going to get a little bit of a foundation of who we are, what we've done, some of our experiences, although it's absolutely impossible to throw all of our experiences in here. Um, and we're going to be, for the most part, open books about things because, hey, we're all developers here or interested in development or have questions about development or find somebody who is here that might be interesting to watch. It's them. Um, <laughs> Don't but... put yourself down, Josie. You, all, you teach me new things every time I speak to you. <laughs> Dust bunny, for example. Where the hell? I've never even heard that term before, and I'm still. My wife heard it, but she she knows everything. Somehow she she's got all this information in her head that I, I've never heard of. Oh, <laughs> uh, we wish I had brains. To be fair, but... you're my go-to security expert. So if that's worth anything, well, just don't piss off Darth Securitas. You do not want that personality <laughs> to come out in this show. Now you taught me all about DKIM and um, D DK DKIM and DMARC. That was it. SPF records yeah. and all the things that go with it. Yeah, I, I, here's the deal. We're going to introduce ourselves and go into a little bit of what it is we do, but we're also going to sort of start at the beginning, the things that got us interested. And I'd love to know what got you interested in whatever it is you do. And let us know what exactly you do. Give us an idea. I know there's some people who are watching who play with big toys. And by big toys, I mean really big toys. So, yeah. Let's start off with... Oh no, Patrick, you are quiet. Yeah, I know. I don't know how to fix it. Technical difficulties. Uh, we tried to fix it in a pre-show, but the documentation just wasn't there, so... Ah, <laughs> uh, project. That's it. If, if I could drop this mic. <laughs> I will be speaking with force in such oh, a way that I will no. wake up my neighbors. You need to get some bass traps and some... Um, uh, we need to get you some proper soundproofing, sound uh, treatment. I, I got... I don't know we what you can have against my mic. extremely professional recording studio. I <laughs> okay. Anyhow, topic. All right, so let's do this. Patrick. Yes. What do you currently do? Yes. I am currently a um, technical artist and working on a VR uh, game. So virtual reality game development which is quite interesting because you are way more performance conscious than your normal game dev. Nowadays, when you when you make a game, you just, you sort of don't, especially indies, you just sort of don't have to give a shit because no matter how abysmal your code slash assets slash optimization of anything is, modern software, modern systems gonna run it at 60 FPS, no problem. 
But with VR, you have to run it at 90 plus on both eye on both eyes, mm. and things tend to get really bad because if you drop, you're gonna vomit. Like nausea is actually a huge problem. With have you that. actually gotten sick? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, it's actually quite a daily occurrence for me because sometimes you, we're gonna have uh, weird visual bugs where just recently I had this issue where the horizon line and by ex- uh, but only the horizon, so everything else on a scene, so you know, buildings and yada yada was fine. But looking in the distance at the horizon, as you were turning your head, the horizon was turning like that. Oh. And that got me so sick, I had to literally take the, the headset off, lie down for half an hour, and then for the rest of the day, I still was like... On that's, the that's exactly what happened to me. I, I played, uh, I think it was Half-Life 2 in VR for three or four hours um, mm. at a friend's uh, LAN party. And yeah. after that, it just suddenly hit me. I got really warm, and I got a, a just pain, like not pain, a, a sickness in the pit of my stomach. And I yeah. just had to lie down for about an hour. I was fine after yeah. that, but it was really weird. I've never had that before. It's, the... uh, it's a very prevalent with very early VR titles. Nowadays, everything, everyone sort of got it sorted. Mostly it has to do with, as I said, like the FPS issue and with the, with the movement. So some of mm. the early games tried to be very immersive because, you know, you have very limited play space. You have like, in your typical VR setup, you have like two by two meters of real world space. Uh, some are just like stationary sitting experiences. So if you want to move in the game, you have to solve it somehow. We just use like joysticks or something. But then you have the problem of you you are like your eyes uh, tell your brain that you're moving, but your inner ear and your body just tells you that no, you're just standing still. And there's the first bit of dissonance. But that's not a big deal. Some of the early games try to be very immersive and sway you a bit because, you know, as you go, you sway your head. That was very bad. That's just like, yeah, See, don't, don't do that. The, the, the two, well, I've had a couple of different experiences with VR. The very first one that I had was actually at Gamescom a few years ago. <clears throat> and it was when E-Valkyrie was being showcased. Um, and they brought all the press in and uh, we got a chance to actually play E-Valkyrie with the VR headsets. Mm. And... Um, as a first experience, it was mind-blowing to me. But when we were actually talking to the guys behind the team, and they were talking about how a subtle modification can take the game from being, this is epic, to basically Vomit Central. Yep. Yeah. yeah and then my other one, there's a game room here in the part of the United Kingdom where I live. And they are building a 3D VR experience where you climb over um, literally physical objects. It's just they're decorated unique ways through the VR system. And um, I got together with my husband and a friend who would come over from the Netherlands and we did the the experience where you sort of stood still and we were responsible for shooting um, crystals and destroying aliens and things like that. And that was hysterically fun. Hmm. I have yet... I say yet because I know what's coming. I have yet to have an experience with VR where I feel like I'm like I can't contain myself. So yeah, there is but, um, go on. We'll we'll go into VR at some point. We yeah, really yeah. will. But that's where you're currently at right now with yeah. all of your things. So you're exactly. working in VR, yeah. and so and it's not just the graphics side for you, sir. 
Yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's well, the, the coding side of it is, is strictly graphic. So shaders, optimization of shaders, uh, some geometry generation, so that's also fun. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's the programming side of the development. The, the rest of it for me is mostly level design, balancing, and this sort of user experience uh, adjustment. Mm. Do you do 2D design as well for for the UIs in games? Or? Um, funny thing, I mean, yes, I'm also doing that, but you can do way cooler stuff than just 2D design because yeah. suddenly you have depth perception and you have those things where you can reach reach uh, into depth and you have like multiple screens when you can you can just you know move let's say one screen here and the other one slightly behind it further when it's not really you know bothering you oh it's amazing when you can just sort of readjust the screens like that for me that's the future of just like ex the computer experience because i mean uh, for those who don't know i am currently in a pissing contest with chris over who has the better setup and the amount of monitors we have um, well, obviously me he's currently winning no. Currently, always will be winning because the second that you get even remotely close to me, I'll just go and buy another one. In fact, I'll just I'll just recommission one or two of the ones that I've got over there that I don't use. Hi, <laughs> my name is Josie, and I am looking to purchase a virtual whip, one with spikes, possibly, and perhaps maybe some electricity as well. Um, but yeah, so we're nowhere you're at, Pat. But but what I, what I, what I oh, was oh, oh. I wonder, can I? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fine. No. So what I was going with it is that the um, like once the headset because currently there is quite issue quite the issue for resolution and stuff like that and the fact that you have a heavy screen on your face so that's sort of bad on your yeah. neck but once that gets very seamless I think that's gonna replace the computer screen because suddenly you have 360 with the perception I mean there's just no I think it's a I... wonderful president. I think that needs to be saved for another show. I think it's uh, it's it's got a lot of depth VR, uh, literally. Yeah. But... Funny, <laughs> funny. We should have a pun counter. Pun one. Aye, but yes, no. I think I think I think VRs are personally AR and VR. I think are brilliant. I haven't yet invested in a headset myself. Uh, I have used friends' headsets. I have used developer and uh, commercial releases, but. I'm not quite ready to get one myself. There's not enough software out there yet for me. You know, it needs a killer app. It needs a killer game for me. It needs a game that I cannot do without that needs a, a headset, you know? Okay, that's fair enough. That's sort of the same thing with some of the jumps I've made with different platforms. But Chris, what do you do? So now I am a... We were talking about job titles <laughs> the other day. <laughs> I don't really have a job title because I'm a, essentially a contractor. I do a lot of contract work for big big companies. I do enterprise web development, uh, app development specifically. That also includes technical architecture and DevOps. Um, I do pretty much the full spectrum from, from inception design all the way through to deployment and uh, maintenance afterwards as well. So, you know, I have experience in the, the web stack, the Microsoft stack, um, lots and lots of different database systems. DevOps is something I'm, I've been getting into for the last two, two or three years. So I'm building up my Linux stack and my uh, kind of deployment stack a little bit more. Um, currently working with Docker, Docker Compose, starting to play with Kubernetes, but it's not something that I'm 
big on at the moment. So yeah, that's uh, that's essentially where I'm at right now. I'm lots of different clients. I'm, I'm desperately trying to uh, to change my model from a contracting model where I've got three months worth of work, six months worth of work, nine months worth of work, which is great. It's profitable, but it's not really the, the model I really enjoy. I enjoy the consultation side of things. I enjoy speaking to clients and solving their problems without kind of too many barriers, you know? Um, so basically you're the more mature of us. Um, the, the more the more put together one Maybe. I, I have to ask though it's it, it cracks me up i hear and it's it's funny because I'm, the, the way i would describe what i do is full stack but what stack there's so many mm -hmm. stacks yeah. there's chimney stacks there's hay stacks and the problem is, is <laughs> the, it's the, like ah the, the industry that i work in um, as I said, I work for big banks, big insurance companies, little places as well. You know, I work for small mm -hmm. teams. Uh, I've just recently put together a, a psychometric um, data collection API for one of my clients. I can't say any more because I'm under. Oh, that fairly... just sounds so fine, man. Um, no, it <laughs> yeah, sounds it sounds fancy than it is. All it is is a web API that's got a few methods on it that captures data and plunks it into a Mongo database. It's not particularly complex. Well, psychometric is because they are capturing uh, analytical data based on clinical trials and studies. They're actually um, oh. the place that I was doing work for. I can that tell you this cool. much: they they they're, um, they're actually working on drugs and um software i.e games the reason unity i haven't told you guys anything about this actually oh, um they i know used... <laughs> like i said we learn something new every they time so what what they needed they needed two people to come in they needed somebody to do the um the front end work uh, they've got someone in who specializes in xamarin i do do a bit of xamarin but i'm not a specialist in that so that was good for me uh, mm. and then they wanted a back-end guy to do all of the really complicated stuff that doesn't really get any praise <laughs> you know there's loads of work involved in it but it's uh, it's all behind the scenes it's an api and all the other stuff and um, so i was that guy so i uh, i designed that system for them but they're what they're doing is they're putting together a xamarin app which collects data based on psychometric tests that um uh their clinicians have developed and then also a game in unity 3d that is also collecting psychometric data Again, I can't go into any more detail than that, but it's, it was very interesting and the data structures were so different from what I'm work, I'm used to working. I'm used to working with strongly typed stuff, very uh, rigid data sets. Not but weak this, type. Well, this isn't even weak type. It is, it's strongly typed, but it's, it's almost like a meta system, a meta database system. So you imagine it's all JSON at the end of the day, but it's just this huge, um, everything that we captured was this massive JSON structure and every test that they did maybe three or four on each different platform had a completely different data structure, hence why I use Mongo to put that together. But yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. I've come from much more humble backgrounds, but I'm, uh, I do all kinds of things for people. Mm. Yeah. Anything from just helping a startup get red, get going to, I don't know, designing an enterprise system for a <laughs> multinational corporation. You know? <laughs> wow. Stuffs. And you, Josie, what do you do right now? Well, right now, I'm talking to two engaging gentlemen about things in the development world. Um, no, in my particular case, um, I actually sat down with my husband to try to figure out what the hell I do. Because I do so many different things. Um, and he basically looked at me and he just said, well, you're full stack. And I said, well, thank you. I, I appreciate the compliment. And he went, no, 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 no. What I mean by this is I, I help out anybody who needs help. 
through my company. I, I sort of do what Chris does. I freelance, I consult. Um, but I can be as simple as the whip cracker for making certain a project gets done, aka project management, to being the person who starts with the staging deployment, playing with prod, doing all the things that go with it. At this current moment in time, I've decided to focus on helping writers, actually. That's my, my current obsession is getting writers their author platforms. So I do everything from VA to web hosting development, et cetera. But I also have a whole bunch of fingers and a lot of pies from, <laughs> as Patrick pointed out, I have a small obsession with security. Small what obsession is, what with tech security and things like that. Not everything from country. social engineering on down. But yes, yeah. um, I have a very... Josie, uh, about this entire... About the, the author's deal, uh, like, do you just provide, do you sort of work on the software solution or are you trying to do the more like a community outreach, publishers outreach? What Every uh, client I have has sort of something different. It's, mm. it's so weird. I'm sort of like this a la carte apple pie, not in any way, shape or form apple pie. Um, so if somebody needs a website, that is one of the most common parts of an author platform. And if someone mail servers, um, my clients will look at me and go, what? And if I say mail servers, they'll go, what? And if I try to explain what email is, they go, oh, you mean the thing I got on my phone? So I have this fantastic abstraction, <laughs> but I do all of the stuff. I have, I have a, an obsession with knowledge and learning. See, Which means I know up, a lot about tons of weird stuff. I feel really weird. Growing up, I was quite <laughs> worried about the job security of programmers because, you know, it seems like everyone is computer literate and everyone sort of knows programming. But nowadays, just people just don't really engage with that. And it, it seems like, like we've gone opposite. We had this nice sort of upsurge when people were getting more and more technologically literate and then just cliff. And it just doesn't exist. Like everyone treats it as a black box that's just sort of those magic thingy and some witches cast some spells on it and now I can contact people on the other side of the world. Everything magic. everything is abstracted though, isn't it? And everything is everything is a service now. Everything's been done. And all we need to do as programmers these days is abstract that information from the third party into into a a piece of software and that's how we make mm. software these days i don't know see i think it depends i mean one of the things that we all agreed on when we were talking about this show is that for us a lot of what we do is we take um, software as a service and sort of make it do something or we create the software that becomes software as a service or things like that however there is Abstraction is my favorite word, and these guys will tell you that because we've had long discussions about the abstraction. When I started getting into technology, when I started digging into what things actually were, I actually started in the guts. I started at the IRQs. I started at the buses. I started really, like, low down. And from there, I built my platform into understanding how data moves to um, then 
understanding how it's all saved. Why on a particular hard drive? This was back when everything still spun, because <laughs> SSDs are a thing unto themselves now. But you know why you would want a file stored on a particular part of a disk versus another part of a disk, and then if you wanted to write that, what you would want the OS to uh, do to make that write well and make good use of the MFTs and like. I started down there mm -hmm. and then I moved into, well, now that I know how the computer works, well, how do they talk to each other? And that's when I started getting into everything from the OSI model to like, I, I dug deep. Nowadays, if you were to ask me what the hardware interrupt is going to be for something, I'm going to go nine times out of 10, there isn't a hardware interrupt for that particular device because it's USB implemented. <laughs> but you know, Good it, question. But the thing is, we're we're getting further and further and further away from. I mean, my goodness! If you want to abstract the motherboard, you're starting to get into sand, silicone, quartz, crystals. Well, yeah, that's taking it a bit too far, I think, isn't it? It's, uh... <laughs> We have to walk two miles to dig the bits from the bit mines, and then we have to push the electron cards. And this is uh, Patrick's past. Yes, yes. yes. See, what back in my day when we were learning how to program, we had to first put it on a whiteboard, and then we had to make certain that it worked well, and we had to do it by hand, and then we had to print it out in a dot matrix, and then we had to feed it back in through the dot matrix, I mean, we could go crazy. We could go proper Yorkshire communicate type things here. I, I know it's a Halloween, but it's down in the horror stories, all right? <laughs> well, speaking of horror stories, Telepi says motherboard equals summoning pentagram. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a hardware guy. I've never really... I understand a computer. I can put a See, computer there together. There are some people who would say that if you don't understand the hardware, then how can you make the most I, use of it? I understand it enough. I mean, that's the thing, yeah. isn't it? I make I make enterprise systems for for big companies that don't want to be bothered with all of that low level stuff. They want to provide software that improves their business. That is essential. You know, you said you were doing you you're mm -hmm. speaking to your husband about trying to figure out what you do. Last year, I spent quite a lot of time doing networking and speaking to other businesses trying to figure out how to sell myself or how to sell my business rather than mm -hmm. going through agencies and doing the contracting work. And right. it's a very, very slow burner, but it's, get to, it's getting to a point now where I'm starting to figure out what I want. And one of the things I had to do to get to that point is, have you heard of a guy called Simon Sinek? He is a, a bit of an evangelist kind of um, life coach guy. He's actually quite, I'm, I'm not into that specifically talk about because i've seen so, so many yeah he's a he he does a, a he basically his main premise is find your why why do you do what you do what is the reason not and, and there's lots of different ah, reasons we've okay. all got different reasons but what is the what is the why that is his thing and he's done this golden circle thing where you work from the why outwards and then you figure out what you're selling and how are you going to sell it from there and that's it's kind of a sales technique um Sales comes across to me, just so you know, like black magic. Yes, same here. I'm not a marketing you know, guy. You know, I hear guy. golden circle and my brain's like, we were just talking about the summoning pentagram and now we've got the golden circle. Yeah. Uh, are we going to start wearing hats now? Should I bring out like the feathers? I mean, is there a dance? Do we need to learn a handshake? I, that, well, I I, it's just a seminar, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, anyway, he's got this thing and I, I, fig I used kind of a few of the techniques that he put together and I figured out my values, what I actually value. Mm -hmm. What what why I sell what I want to why I want to sell what I sell. It's not for money. It's I love what I do. I I thoroughly enjoy creating. It's my art. I create software out of zilch. 
I find all these different tools and frameworks and I figure out what I need to get from them and then I put them all together and smush them up and eventually something works nicely, you know? There's lots of wit, there's lots of things, that's the You're simple. a professional smusher. Yeah, I'm a pro professional, that's what we all do. And if anybody else, if a professional this software developer says anything different, they, they're a bit above the station, I think. I think it's got, you've got to understand what you are. My job's evolved from, yes, writing lower level programming, you know, writing my own SMTP server, writing all my own, I wrote egg drop bots back in the IRC days, you know, all kinds of little diff daft things. Oh, wow, that but, takes me but right now, back. But now it's a different thing because of all of these abstractions. We've got to a point where I'm designing, I'm designing systems based on the opinions of other systems and other frameworks. You know, we've heard of an opinionated piece of software or opinionated framework. Uh, like mm. Angular, for example, Angular is a opinionated, very, very opinionated, and has a, a learning curve like that. Back on itself, it's uh, it's awful, but it's brilliant. But yeah, it's uh, it, it, I'm, I'm getting a bit away with myself. But there is say, Angular. We can actually <laughs> save for next week because we yes. have a guest coming on to talk about JavaScript and the flavors of JavaScript, and Angular will be a part of that discussion along with Node and a few other things. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so it's I mean. I think for me, <laughs> my, I've, I've come from a, a background of <clears throat> self-learning. Everything I do is self-learned, is self-taught rather. I come from playing around with HTML on a Wednesday dinner time at college uh, in, in, you know, in, the, in the classes where I was trying to play Doom on the computers and everything was locked down and we eventually got around it all. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that I've learned from. I've figured out how a computer works from hacking around, mm -hmm. but now I follow lots of patterns and practices which are, and everything I do is best practice and everything I do is test driven and everything I do is even personal projects. I, I, there's there's I a debate to be had on best practices not, for some things, but I, I'm yeah. just gonna jump right on top of you here, Patrick, and just talk right over it. I'll let you speak in a second, I promise. Um, I think all three of us in our own way come from the old school hacker methodology play with it until you break it and figure out how it works and then put it together and maybe make it do something it's not supposed to do. How does this thing work? Why does this thing function how it does? I mean, it's why like lock picking, it's, it's why I got into learning about how you can take a packet and malform it to do weird things. It's, um, you know, it, it's, there's so much to learn, mm. but that, that old school methodology of yeah. just how. To be fair, I think that's the best way to learn, though. And I, mm. uh, not every programmer starts by sort of like self-teaching, but every programmer that I met and I admire started that way. Everyone I... sort of like started by, you know, doing the basic stuff and like, trying to figure out on their own and fucking with it a bit and like malforming it maybe and weird shit happens and it's cool and oh wait, it's a blue screen of death, but whatever, it's fun. So, you know, I... There is there is some certain quality of a person to be found there that's uh, very indicative of certain type of developer and just so happens those are the people that I throw thoroughly enjoy working with. I have a challenge for you, Josie. Oh, good Josie, God. Josie, by the way, to everybody is our community manager. She is the person who is going to get our guests and manage our guests, um, find outreach to people, etc. Basically, uh, I'm going to control your life for yes. a very short period of time. It'll so, be fun. My challenge is, I've just no, I've just observed something here, and I, I one of the reasons I'm doing this show is to challenge myself. I want people to throw facts and things at me that I don't know because I don't know everything, okay. and I never will know everything. 
but I want to learn and I'd like to I'd like to have a little bit more insight as to how CG works you know how VR sits together I've played around with these things but I don't I'm not an expert but mm-hmm. my challenge to you Josie is to find somebody who comes a programmer a very good programmer who comes from an academic background a, a very solid academic background and it's not a challenge because they do exist absolutely but most oh, people I know I can think of a few right at the top of my head like like computer See, scientist type of deal like well the, I'm talking I'm talking about some somebody who 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 puts stock in that who can argue with us because all three of us just agreed then that it's the best way this, be. this is something that we should mark by the way in calendars us three agreeing on something i mean even getting this show prepared it is a unique exercise we don't agree on everything we don't at, like all but we, we always don't. come to an agreement or a uh an understanding somewhere that all, mm. we've made progress and we've made quite a lot of progress i'm, oh, yeah. I'm proud of what we've done here so far i've got to be <laughs> honest and you know blowing That's our good. own trumpet but i'm proud of what we've done so far and it is it, only uh, our first show <laughs> uh, what i'll do is i will go looking um in fact actually you guys who are watching if you happen to know somebody who puts the stock more so in say the academic side of learning to programming than the ooh, what does it do when i call this what happens if I overload this? Like, get in touch because I am I'm like rolling through the Rolodex of my brain, um, which is very dusty and old. And it is a Rolodex. It isn't actually like <laughs> some kind of proper it's not a Mongo database. No, it's it's not a the React actually, front end and the... I am trying to get somebody on the show who is a database person. I mean, one of my degrees is in database management, administration, and security. I, I have three degrees mm-hmm. I, for uh, various different I reasons. Jo- did a job for but- a client the other day. They wanted me to do some database stuff with them. And I logged in, third-party proprietary software that they wanted me to help with, logged into their system, got onto the database server, SQL server, got in with SA blank, and then when i logged into the user table the first thing i did was check the user table on the proprietary database can you guess what i'm going to say i am i i have you can't see it my fingers are crossed my first toes of all, are first of all all the usernames are just first names right and that's not that's not even a bad thing that's just it, it depends you know, on the, who, yeah. the the access and all that yeah. it depends how how big the company is but generally you should make them more unique anyway secondly most of the passwords are blank in the database uh. So they were blank. Were you logged in with Andy blank or whatever? There was one password in there and it was the system administrator account and it was plain text. I got into the database. I got into it. It's just like, and I did, I did mention it to them. It wasn't what I was looking at though. I wasn't there to do a security (laughs) review, but there was a number of other things that I also noticed, but I'm not, I'm not going to hard sell that, you know, but it's, it's worrying how many times I've come across that kind of thing, really. It, it's it's mm. yeah there, there's a, there's a level of pain that mm. that happens inside me a little bit when i hear that but it, again to be fair though it it can depend upon circumstance i can actually think of a purpose in a time when that's actually acceptable even in a security setting and that's a weird thing but i can think of a time and a place when it could happen but what i was going to say is um there is somebody who um, I absolutely love and adore. And if, lady, you happen to be watching, I'm trying to get you on. But she specializes in databases. And her big thing is trying to get people to go back to using them properly. 
you, you know you're going to be struggling, especially with all of the all of the new um, forgot my name of ORM frameworks, and they're big now. They're big in the enterprise world. ORM and developers love developing with code. They love developing databases with code. Think, yeah, think. But you know, the, there's something to be said for bleeding edge. Let, let's jump to the future, right? Mm -hmm. The future is coming. It's not going to stop. Time is one of the few constants in this entire universe that I absolutely love and worship. There are going to be changes that happen. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, it was the whole hardware side of, yes, we're seeing leaps and jumps and everything within the hardware. I mean, I don't know if you remember Rambus memory. Um, yeah. Was that... <laughs> that was the fastest thing ever, but the standard just really didn't take off. Was was did the N sixty four have Rambus on it? That rings you know, bells. I don't know. I think it might have done. I think I don't think I you could get know. the expansion in the UK, but from my recollection, anyway. Well, but point is, um, what we have is we saw the bleeding edge stuff come in when it came to hardware, and then we saw the servers. I mean, I don't know if you've ever gotten a chance to walk into a data center, a properly wired, fully configured, properly rack-mounted, blinky light, that air blowing across your skin as you're walking around looking at the prettiness. Uh, basically, that's hardware porn. That, Please. there was this there was this time when that was like the thing. It mm -hmm. was the bleeding edge. Getting a co-located server. Yeah, and then that everything was, was starting to abstract, and now we're in this sort of... I'm going to go right on the record here of saying I hate the word cloud. I hate I, it. I hate it so much, it's not I, even funny. It doesn't even I mean anything. I understand why it is used, but if you are a manager or if you are a leader in the industry of any type, please actually use terms other than cloud. Okay, thanks. It's one of the few things I feel really strongly about. There's a, there's a few things I I'm the same I, I get quite you've seen already I'm pretty sure I can get quite <laughs> animated I'm I'm a laid back person normally but I can get quite animated when the cloud is one of them to be fair it's such a let's talk about it another show yeah we're, we're coming up to the... The, the my point is there are so many things that you can access virtually now and so many things that you can do that that's the new bleeding edge and yet. As much as there may be someone out there who wants to dig into the latest and greatest, there are a lot of companies who can't do that. Mm. And this means that we need the people. We need the old school people who understand how to do those IRQ interrupts in software. We need those people who understand how to set up and maintain really old databases we need people who still can do COBOL yeah yeah I mean it's, it's a meme but COBOL is still being used oh it is I, it was it's, a couple of years it's... ago I had a, a contract and I was working with somebody who was still was it Big Endian I can't remember there was some there was some um, character set they had to use specifically within COBOL and there was a I can't even remember but it was such a weird thing for me I didn't understand it it mm. was a special control character they needed and I can't remember what it was now. But that's the thing. I mean, in my industry and the things that I do, I can literally see the future of me doing exactly what I'm doing right now forever, never changing. That would be really boring. I like to evolve. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit like a Pokemon. 
Um, I don't know why I just started thinking of Squirtle, but come to, come to game development because I, on the other hand, have plenty of exciting news. Uh, well, the... well, see, this is the thing. I, I'm not done just yet with my future. Oh, I'm I so can... sorry. No, that's okay because you can totally talk over me. I did it earlier in the show. You can write ahead with oh, your please, big please bad self. Finish, please do finish the topic. I mean, I, I'm dying to hear. Seriously. <laughs> I got a review too. So Just because your husband's I, out, Roger. I promise it was without sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Number one rule about Patrick: I can never tell when he's trolling. I'm just assuming he's always trolling. No, uh, the thing is, for me, the future is always going to be whatever is needed. Hmm. That that's it. If we need to set it up in a way that. Uh, you know, we have an easy way for, in my case, like if I focus on writers, uh, writers really need a lot of basic tools to do the fundamental. Technically, they need a pen and a piece of paper. Heck, even then, if you're a storyteller, you just need some way to communicate the story. It doesn't even have to be that. Good you, could do, you could do sign language. Um, you could, you know, just sit there and tell a story to someone, etc. But tools are constantly evolving to help them improve or to speed up the process, the workflow, the process, whatever's needed to make that faster. And I think for the future, it's always going to simply be, how can we make what we already do faster, which is where we get into scripting. And that's a topic for another do you show. Not, do you not think though, that all these new tools come in and the speed, the, it, there seems to be an arc. You, you go from taking ages and ages and ages to do something and it goes down and down as you get more used to it and, and then a new tool comes in and then you spike back up again and it takes ages and ages and ages to achieve the same thing or a better thing but it takes you slightly longer that time because it's more advanced and there's more configuration i'm thinking here specifically about deploying software for example we started as, out i'm an early adopter I, I i this this goes back to that whole hacker mentality i'm an early adopter i want to see what it is you're bringing i want to see why you're bringing i want to see what you're trying to accomplish with it and then i will go how do i adapt it if i want to mm. or how do i just look at it acknowledge that this is kind of cool but it's not something that i need but i at least know something like this exists which means there's going to be competitors in the future like i'm an early adopter i love to play in the new things for me taking on something brand new isn't a time constraint because i'm so used to it no, it's part of our job. It's what we do, and and I said that's the but. But if you look at it in terms of, I look. Remember that I'm looking from an enterprise point of view, where everything is about money and time, and everything is about okay. wanting to save that. People like myself who work for these insurance companies, they're not cheap, you know, and they cost a lot of money. Even though we're temporary staff or, or temporarily engaged with them, anyway, it, it take that the less the, the more streamlined the more automated the less work there is involved in something the better it is for that company hence why all these abstractions and all these fourth fifth sixth generation languages come out mm. but i'm thinking now if we look look specifically at deployment of software so you used to copy and we used to build whatever so in fact sometimes you didn't even need to build old web software it was just it was compiled on the fly you know like classic asp php that kind of thing um but you build it and then you deploy it you'd copy it and paste it and then these automated tools would come out and you'd be able to start scripting things and automatically upload to an FTP. And now all this new DevOps stuff is all about containerization. And, uh, well, it was virtualization, which was a whole, another whole, you needed another person to deal with the infrastructure for the, for the hyper 
terminals or whatever they're setting up. I'm not a hardware guy. <laughs> um, the, and then now we've got DevOps people who is another role that's come out of nowhere. And it's 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 really required. It's starting to become a, a necessary thing. The, the, the definition of DevOps is different in every single company I have ever spoken to. And it is a term like cloud that to me is bandied about in a way that is destructive to our industry. Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, it just is. <laughs> what, do, what do you mean by DevOps? Can you like specify it? So developer operations, it's done well. Yeah. It, I, don't think, I don't think it officially stands for that, but hip. that's... Yeah. It's hip for that kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, it sounds cool. It's like, you know, <laughs> so like, like secret. DevOps is the is the process uh, of. There's quite a few different definitions of it, but essentially That's it encapsulates it encapsulates the deployment of infrastructure, yeah. the deployment of software, the uh, kind of liaison between your infrastructure and your software teams. So a DevOps guy might sit in between those and he might go, right, we actually need to provision a new VM for this particular piece of software. Does it include automated testing and stuff like that? It does, yes, and monitoring. Um, so if things are going wrong within your processes, um, things like reporting that builds have kicked off and you know, all of CI, the continuous integration and continuous de uh, deployment stuff is included Hello, in that. Sorry. Yeah, again, but there's <laughs> lots and lots of different tools that yes. do the same thing in lots of different ways. Vagrant, Docker, Kubernetes, uh, Oct Octopus. Uh, yes, Octopus with all of its tentacles. Yeah, I mean, I love Octopus, but it's not appropriate for every use case, you know. It's, no, it's, no, it's not. Um, no, it's not. That, that's the thing. There are so many tools out there doing the same thing, and to, this is an here we go. This is an annoyance of mine. And should we move on to the RTFM section and use this as the RTFM section? Okay. So yes, here's here's the deal. At the end of our show, we have two parts to kind of close our way out of our show. We have a section called the RTFM because in documentation not included, obviously you need to RTFM. Uh, for those of you who are, for some unusual reason, unaware of what RTFM stands for, Patrick. I don't know. He doesn't know. Oh, we I have to tell know. him if you don't remember. Yeah, exactly. Gonna... It contains one of his favorite words. Read the... Ah, I remember something about that. Read the fucking manual or there something. There we go. Bingo. <laughs> and in this particular part of the show, this is where we kind of reveal something that's either a little bugbear, a little gripe, or if you have something you want us to uh, share with the rest of the world, think of it a bit like a little rant section. I have one. Go on, because oh, I've actually God. forgotten what I was going to say now. Fantastic! Really, really, like, obscure, fucking, rarely used <laughs> acronyms. Why? Oh. Why? I mean, this, okay, this I get. If you thought, if you, but, you know, there is, I don't know why, is it development specific or what? But there is a lot of unnecessary acronyms, which just makes, like, you know, when developers talk with each other, it almost sounds like they're casting spells. And it makes it definitely makes for the entire industry to sound to look more obscure than it needs to be. I think it's trying to simplify the industry, if anything, because it's so. If if you if you walk up to a, a just a normal person in the street and say to them, um, I'm trying to think of an acronym now, ALM. Exactly. Yeah. ERP. Uh, none of them are really relevant. Oh, ERP is a brilliant one. You know what? Let's just jump the bandwagon with ERP. What is an ERP, Chris? An enterprise resource system. And an are ERP... you sure it's not a product role play? Uh, no. 
Yes. Okay. I have actually, because of the industry that I work in, some of the authors that I work with are romance writers. So when they start talking about things like ERP or stuff like that, I have to kind of put my brain on and go, yeah. right, which acronym do I need to apply to this situation here and now? Okay, continue. Uh, so yes, uh, it incorporates and encapsulates lots of different software systems. It's not one big thing. It essentially it has everything an enterprise needs from a stock control system all the way through to account systems, um, management ETL systems, everything that you might need to run a business, run a big business. In It's the software, basically. It's the best See, for way me, to describe it. <laughs> when it comes to acronyms, because I, I, I have to kind of... I'm of two minds. When I am tired and I've had a long day, I basically want acronyms to D-I-A-F. Nope, don't know that one. Die in a fire. Um, because they can get really, really confusing. And like take the ERP thing. That That is still one of those things. I have to, there are so many acronyms, it's insane. And what gets frustrating to me is that it can, instead of improving growth in the world of programming and the world of development, it throws barriers up. Because if you send someone to learn about something and all you give them is an acronym or you just casually mention it and someone goes, I wonder what they meant by that. There are holes on the internet you can find yourself oh, yeah. in. Because However, you didn't know a really good way to do things. I don't know. I, I kind of like it, but I hate it. That's <laughs> your responsibility as the developer or the person who is receiving that acronym and not heard it. It's your responsibility to ask them and clarify what it is. Simple you as don't that. always get that chance if you're reading a book or if you're watching someone's podcast or, you know, it, there, there's not always that real life element. How much of your information as a developer or a programmer do you get from communication with other people? Nearly all of it. Yeah, and, and here is the extra concern on top of that. Not everything. Because, because Google now likes very much to personalize searches for you. If you are categorized yeah, that, yeah. as a non-developer and then you try to look for developer-specific acronyms, and let's say maybe you are like, you know, a writer or you like, uh, you play tabletop games, you know, role-playing games, and someone tells you ERP, all you're gonna get is that oh, hot, hot, fucking sweaty porn from Goldshine from World of Warcraft. I'm telling you. I don't think you're going. Well, you might get Goldshire porn. I'm, I'm sure there is fanfic of it. But you know, when it comes to acronyms, I have a love-hate relationship with them. I do, and I, I and the, I, I think we could have an entire conversation with just. Acronyms I enjoy making them. them up. I came up with one. Um, it was rapid, and it was. I think it was resource allocation and password database. That's just acronym. Like that. That's just acronym at this point. I know, but acronym. The thing is, right? It, no, it, it, you need something it. that describes our huge software suite works. You, that's what an acronym is. It's shortening and making it less. Comp it's making it so into a colloquial term. If you're making a soft piece of software that other mm. people can reference it as. So instead of going, oh, um, did you work on the? Uh, did you put that into the resource allocation and password database, or did you put that into Rapid? Everyone knows what Rapid is. That's why they exist. If you have some kind of connection to it, you don't always, yes. it, 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 it's a love-hate thing. But yes, mm. that's, that's RTFM. Here yes. is our second thing that we close the show with. This is our suggestions. This can be anything that we want people. 
be oh. it programming something, a tool you like. It could be a TV show you're watching. It could be a book you like. Heck, it could even be a color you want people to check out because colors are cool. Colors. colors are the best. But only if you reference them by their hex value and then you specify whether they're gamma corrected or not. Hex values are getting less and less uh, useful. Hex though. values are they're, they're fading for RGBA. Mm. I really like them though. Nice that doesn't, well, that doesn't mean anything, Pat Everybody who is programming <laughs> in the world, no matter what you're working on, Patrick likes Hex, he appreciates Hex, RGBA can die in a fire, get to work on that now, because you have to appeal. I mean, I mean, individual RGB values are fucking amazing once you do some shader work and some, you know, calculations on the individual channels. But right. then, you know, if I, let's say, want to give any other artist or someone else like reference a color like i'm not gonna give him three values that's that's way too much like you know we have <laughs> so to you give him six there are starving there are starving children in africa who don't get enough bits i'm not gonna you know just throw away the bits around we need to be a lot more uh you know concise and uh, yeah. wow okay so well we've accomplished that Chris, do you have something that you might want to suggest, recommend, shout out? You know what? Off the top of my head right now, I don't. However, I do have a link for a, a little browser game that I play quite often. You've probably seen it before, um, and it's called Agar.io. Uh, Agar oh, I knew I'd do that at least one point. <laughs> oh, someone's going to show up on the stream. I'm, I'm looking the wrong forward browser to this. In the wrong screen. Um, yeah, agar.io, and it's a little browser game, and you basically, you just a, a little dot, and you grow. And there's loads of other people playing it all the time. And Can you actually put the link in chat? Yeah, yeah, I'm just about to. Yeah. Score! Oh, it looks like there's a hex code on the end of the URL as well. <gasps> no, not the a, start hex of a hex code. Yeah, I'll take it off. There you go. Am I, was I fast? I oh, beat me. Anyway, yeah, it's a great little, um, it's a great little game, just a time waster every now and again. Yeah, from me, it would be a series of fantasy books, uh, Gotrek and Felix. Um, if you are interested in fantasy of the sorts, it's great because it's very grimdark. It's set in a Warhammer fantasy universe, which is a um, little bit less heroic than your typical setting. So it's really fun. It's really fun to read. And yeah. Uh, but beware, because that shit is addictive. I sunk hmm. like 130 euros just buying books on Kindle constantly. I was finishing them. So yeah, there's quite a, a lot of them. So yeah. So to the authors who I work with who are watching, write Grimdark and make it in such a way that Patrick can't stop reading it because he's addicted to it. You'll make all of your money off of him. <laughs> books are <laughs> Like, books are my bane. There's no such thing that's more addictive than books. I, I, I have to agree with you. I really I do. can't get into it. I've tried and tried and tried. And every now and again, I get a really good book and read it to death and, and read it very quickly. But I've got um, that film that came out recently, Game Over. Game. Ready Player One. I have um, an opinion about Ready Player One that is probably not going to be a, one that makes people happy. I haven't Everyone seen the film, so I don't know what it's it. about. But... Everyone tells me to watch it, and he's like, you're, doing, you're working in VR, you should totally watch it. I'm like, oh, I... The book, the book is, is good so far, but it, it's a bit... <sighs> I am only going to say this. Contrived. That's the word I'm looking for. 
I find it lazy. Yeah. Explain. Uh, it, that, since the spoilers, I'll do it after the show. And we don't want to spend too much time because we're running a little over today. So let's yeah. let's pull ourselves back. But so that's yours. And if you want to type out the name of the series you want people to know about, that would be fabulous as well. In my case, I'm going to take it old school. I'm going to take it back to this. This is a very special piece of jewelry because it has a very special place in my heart as part of one of the very first games that basically got me addicted to series. And I am going to put a link up to American McGee's blog. Now, the reason why I am doing this is because... Um, I just love American. He's brilliant. I love Martin. Martin is sort of his community guy, and I also love Lulu. Lulu is their dog. <laughs> well, it's American's puppy, and Lulu is this adorable... I think she's like a little uh, French bull or something like that. She's so tiny, but she is crazy. Um, but uh, American McGee is currently getting back into trying to get um, Alice 3, which is known as Alice Asylum worked on and he's already sent his information over to ea ea reached out to him and said so you want to talk american alice 3 so every possible thing finger crossed um so is, a thing. is it like is it just now that talks about financing or is it actually in pre-production was the stage at this current moment in time, they're waiting to hear back, I believe, on their proposal. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, every single week, for the most part, although there was a break recently because American was in Thailand, um, they do a live stream on YouTube. Um, there's also a Patreon you can get involved in, and I think it's the $5 tier up. Uh, you gain access to a Patreon-specific Discord, which literally helps you crowd-develop the game. It's something Americans trying. That's, um, a, that's so. a topic that we could probably get into at some point. Um, this sort of like a community-driven payment for developers via Patreon or something. There is something to be said for that. Uh, there are so many developers I know who um, it's it's they they live and die by what company they work for. And then we know of some others who can make. 13, 14,000 a month through Patreon. It's mm. it's it's such a, a crazy thing, but again, it always comes down to the product. It comes down to what it is you're developing. It comes down to actually a lot about the maturity of the product you're on too, because a lot of people don't want to fund something that just some Joe Schmo, you kind of have to prove oh, yeah, why someone should do it, which is some, something we did back in the data mine we were talking about Kickstarter, which is how I met you, Patrick, all those years ago. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. You still remember. Oh. It, was, it was one of the few episodes I could ever not forget. I was, I was younger back then with more hair and less charm. Less charm. I feel um, like we were on a show together. I'm ever okay. improving. How could you? Oh yes, you both ended up as hosts with me on the data. <laughs> was that? Was that, the, was that why? Yeah, I remember we we did something, but I can't and remember you, what. Do you remember DJ Arcus? I do. Yes, I, I've seen he him quite a few times since. He's still developing games. He's still tweaking his game. It's it's fascinating to watch. I've met him in real life as well. Now I went to a land party and he happened to be there promoting his um, other. His, he does um, projector games. Um, he's called, and he brings a projector along, and it's kind of. One of the games he was playing when I was there was um, you build a ship and then it the AI kind of uses that ship to try and defeat the enemies or defeat the game. 
Fascinating. Um, but it was a very different kind of thing for Lampard. He's quite interesting. But I got to meet him and uh, said hello and everything. Yeah, he, I, I love him. I love yeah, him pieces. I had him on uh, Residence Arcade a few times as well. Mm. But yes, so that is our recommendations and stuff. Just something to leave you with to show you that we do more in our life than just dev or geek. Although, to be fair, every <laughs> single thing that we shared is geek-oriented in some way. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. My life is so... geek. I am a proud geek. Actually, when I was... Um... <laughs> One of the first jobs that I got in the tech world, I got because the system administrator found files that I had left on the server. Anyway, um, in that particular position, um, they had a sign up and there was a sign in their office and the sign said, um, geek used to be a four letter word. Now it's a six figure salary. Mm. I, I'm still still wondering where those extras are but... yeah I'm, I'm missing a few but... i'm missing just a few but geek is such a, a term unto itself today but other than that yeah a massive thank you to chris who is handling all of our transition music and streaming trying sorry about the uh there have been some technical difficulties you'd be glad to see i think somebody said where You'll are they i'm disappointed somebody in chat said that earlier on that they uh they were disappointed that there wasn't any yet and it's all too smooth <laughs> I can't remember who it was now. It was uh... wait till we start doing sharing of videos and content like, like that's gonna get crazy. Also, thank you, Patrick, who has helped out. Our you'll see the prettiness of all of the graphics that you see. It's all big product of him and his ingenious. A massive thank you has to be given out to Firemean Studio. She totally nailed our logo. Just We're not logo people. No, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not graphical in the slightest. Yeah. No. Um, and our website will be up soon. Do check that out. Um, say massive thanks to our audience. I wouldn't absolutely. expect for so many people to turn up. I'm, I'm frankly flattered. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice for a first show. Thank uh, thank you everyone yeah. for watching. And uh, yes, it's, it's only going to get worse. All the rest of the shows are going to have tons of technical difficulties, yeah. and we're going to have like one person show up, and it's going to be one of us because oh, we remembered. <laughs> Oh, hush you. It's going to so, be amazing and rainbows and sprinkles with extra cream. It's going to be great. And if you haven't oh, already, make sure, make sure you follow and subscribe our Twitch channel. And we're also on Twitter as well. We've yeah. got, a, we have a website coming. I am in the pro, well, it's finished. I'm just in the process of trying to get it deployed with all these new brilliant dev dev DevOps tools. And It's deploying. <sighs> well, here, here's the beautiful thing. This is our very first show, but this is also the very first time that I got to dig in a little deeper into Angular because our site is based on, in fact, we're on GitHub if you want to check out some of the stuff we're doing. We're trying to make everything as open as possible, and if you actually want to get involved in development on some of the stuff and the tools, and heck, we're going to have projects in the future and things, please let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I got a chance to get into Angular. Chris got to learn a little bit about... Um, uh docker deployments well i've i've well, i've known docker fairly well it's just but, yeah I've, uh, uh, the thing and he also got to learn a bit about smtp stuff involving demark and dekim and all that other crazy stuff that goes with it yeah and patrick do you know what he learned he i learned, learned the power of friendship oh <laughs> you oh. beat me to it how am i supposed <sighs> It, well, I'm we a, did I'm say a, that we're all the host. I'm a, I'm a thief of zingers. What can I say? Of zingers. Did you do it? That that's just crazy. 
on that note, massive love to you all, and we will see you throughout. We're going to start slow, but this is something that's going to be around for a while. And if you think you have got what it takes to teach us, and trust me, it really doesn't take much. If you've got some topic you want discussed, and you even want to be the one to discuss it, reach out to us. For now, through Twitter. But in the future, you can also hit us through our website. We'll have a working contact form. But you can also reach us at contact at dnistream.live. That is right. Yeah. I, I'd just yeah. like to, to add that if, if you're not very good, we're not having you on. Simple as that. And this is where I say, Chris, bad boy. <laughs> yeah. like a lot of I would of be us- here if that was <laughs> the case. A of lot course, of developers have imposter syndrome <laughs> and like other mental issues. Like if you're gonna tell them that, they won't gonna come. JKID DNI stands for documentation not included. It does, yes. Um... Yep. Wait, do we have a documentation on uh, on our Git repo? Because if we do, we actually do have a little documentation. We will. But it's kind we of required. Should... We should remove it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I usually do provide. This is this is the, the thing I was mentioning earlier on. I'm uh, I'm I'm a stickler for documentation. I think it's very important if written correctly. Uh, and I'm I'm all about I'm all I'm all about uh, getting it right. And at the moment, I haven't done the because I've been under a rush. Uh, in a rush, I haven't done the website the same way that I normally do it. I'd usually do tests first, and I'd usually get the. The full... Yes, tests weren't done when we were working I through. Oh. Hideous. I'm a, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of the commit history. I might squash them all into one big commit, just to. Uh... You mean life environment? Yeah. You are not squashing my awesome commits. I am sorry. No, I worked hard on those commit messages. I really did. I actually put thought into what could be interesting to read. I, I've read oh, them. God. I've read them. Don't worry. Commit, Every time anyone. Messages are my bane. I guess just the worst. I love commit messages. They're my favorite. I hate writing them. Oh. It's just like it's always hard to describe. Matter of fact, and occasionally I'll throw a little joke in there or I'll throw a little dig at something in there. That's that's a comment every now and again that's just going, what the fuck have I done here? Yeah. That's probably to one of my far, favorite things. Me, me and the programmer had a, had a pissing contest in commit messages for like two weeks straight, so it was fun. <laughs> but I'm noticing worry. that Patrick has a lot of pissing contests. Mm. I mean, you have to establish your manliness. Um, <laughs> you so... have to establish your programming dominance. Yeah, I do that with wow. the monitors. The number of monitors I have. We are all but apes. What we can are. I say? On that note, thank you all so much for watching. We will see you next week when we're going to have a guest come on who has developed an application that is currently live, sort of a software as a service app. And uh, he is going to be talking JavaScript. And there is a lot to discuss in that particular one. So we'll see you in what will be our official very first episode next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. So thanks once again, everybody. And we will see you shortly. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.